if I realize that when I do it, I'm finally going to have to explain like all of those funny, um, all of those uh, funny impressions that Michael Brooks did that like when, when you don't understand them, they're absolutely like horrible cringe. Uh, because I started doing one, I started doing a right wing Mandela today. And I forgot, like, Susan's like, what are you doing? I'm like, it's right-wing Mandela. What are you talking about? Oh, man. Yeah, I met the dude once. He was a really dope guy because, you know... It's like a fan coming up to you. You don't really, you're not into it. But I was just like, hey, man, what's going on? Listening to the show. He's like, oh, let's talk for a minute. Um, he was a good dude. I actually got to yesterday uh, do two things that made me, uh, and you'll appreciate this too, that made me think of Michael Brooks. So I went to a friend's house uh, to watch the English football. In his backyard, you know, there's like six spots. We all spread out and drink beer, get baked in the sun, watch this game. Well, I'm talking to the dude, and he's like, he's telling me a conversation he had with his friend about like inherited wealth and how like we're not going to be able, you know, the 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 economic contracts breaking down and late stage capitalism, and and I'm I'm thinking because this guy was, you know, I mean, he's liberal, but I never heard him talk like this. And so then he says, yeah, I, uh, I'm getting ready to pick up a book. His daughter, who is a, an academic in Europe, she went to University of Edinburgh, and now she lives in France, I think. Um, she left young Stalin here, so I'm going to read that next. And I'm like, cool. I was like, that's really cool, man. And I'm thinking, I think it's working somehow. Something's working in people's heads. I don't know what it is. I love it. Maybe it's a societal collapse. Uh, that's probably a, has a lot to do with it. Because then, just maybe 30 minutes later, uh, our friend uh, and his wife uh, from Ghana come, and I start talking to him about, uh, you know, people I learned about from Michael Brooks, like Thomas Sankara and all of this shit, and how all those people were communists, and Cuba helped them, and Cuba helped, and, and the Soviets helped Mandela. And he was like, yeah, he was telling me the history of Ghana, and how they had Cuban doctors and nurses, and... His friend from high school got this special scholarship to study engineering in Moscow, and he, he learned Russian, and now he's like this big uh, engineer back in Accra. And I'm like, so you're communist? He was like, well, I mean, I wouldn't go as far as to say that. <laughs> but I mean, I think it's working. I think that the, the complete failure of, of the neoliberal state uh, is starting to, uh, people are starting to like, it's going to dawn on people. But I just don't know if we have that kind of time. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not a an all or one type situation. Like, and that's sort of what I need to tell myself. And I think there was also I forget what it, the name of the book, the book that released a year or two ago about climate change, and it was just sort of descriptions of what would happen with each like additional half a degree Celsius of warming. That even if we don't hit like the 1.5 degrees Celsius, which I think we're already past now, um, or if we don't hit the 2 degrees Celsius or even the 2.5 or the 3 degrees Celsius, um, it's still worth making an effort um, to try to hit 
or to do some sort of reduction of harm because the apocalypse isn't like just one like there's a swift blow and then the society's over it's a breakdown um and if we you know say it's the same thing like with I mean, it's one thing if, like, a meteor hits the Earth, but if it's another thing, if, like, institutions degrade, stuff like that, it's still worth fighting to do something because the outcome, if we do nothing, is still worse than the outcome if we don't do enough. Oh, yeah, I mean... And it feels like we'll never do enough, but, like, we gotta do something. Yeah, I mean, like, you go... you go. I mean, we're low-lying. I mean, we talked about it uh, on the Green New Deal thing. Uh, like, we're gonna get it... We're gonna get it bad, but you're going to see it like, you know, different neighborhoods are going to start to flood more. Um, you're going to see, you know, the, the stuff that we talked about, and it's going to be real gradual, and that's what's going to that's what's going to be terrible about it. And if you can even like slow that up, hundred, five hundred years, that would be super. Um, yeah, I mean, because that's that's lives, that's livelihoods. It's a whole bunch of stuff. Like, if we can save one life by doing a lot of stuff by all this, yeah then it's it's worth it yeah see that's another again i'll go back maybe maybe it'll just be a theme michael brooks would be this would be the theme of it but like somehow getting across that concept to people that um like there's a humanity that we have to start thinking about um he did it through like international politics um but like yeah, I mean, if you look at everybody as a shared humanity with 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 you know material needs, you can you can make decisions outside of like what's going to be the most profitable thing for Halliburton, or like it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter that they're going to have the World Cup in Qatar uh, in, in two years, and that you know thirty seven hundred Bangladeshis and Sri Lankans were killed. Or, or they were treated like slaves. Like, no one's going to fucking say a word about it. Because it doesn't... There, You know, nobody nobody puts it in those terms. But you, we're going to have to start to do it because it's going to be a catastrophe. So how do you get somebody to be like, yeah, we could actually save people's lives and just do this. But people don't even... I don't even have people thinking in those terms. Yeah, I mean, that's what was great about the bernie sanders are you willing to fight for somebody that you don't know because even if it's you know outside your family outside your city outside your state and then outside your country is the hard one for americans at least um I, that's something i still struggle with just because i'm not i pay probably more attention to international politics than your average person just because i'm on twitter and i have friends that study it so like I know a bit more, but, like, I don't pay that close attention. So, like, there is multiple, uh, and this is something that, I mean, I need to improve on, that there's multiple humanitarian crises that I know are happening. I just don't know exactly what they are or where they are. Um, and there's stuff that, you know, we do. It's hard to a certain extent because we don't have a lot of control over it. Like, there's nothing that I can do as a, even as a relatively privileged, you know, 20-something-year-old guy in Delaware to, like, stop the Yemeni genocide. Like, there's nothing I can personally do, but the consciousness is important. Yeah, put you in it, it when you when you think about it, because my mind, and, and you said that there's so many of them, it's overwhelming to think about. My mind goes to, uh, you know, the, the Hindus and the and the Muslims are going at it in, in uh, Kashmir again. 
who knows what's going on there. Um, they're putting Muslims, uh, Uyghur Muslims, on trains in China. Uh, we got people locked up on the border, probably still like it with COVID in, in cages everywhere. Uh, so, yeah, individually you can't do anything, but if you if you open yourself up to be part of a of a political project, whether it's media, politics, advocacy, whatever, um, that's that's what it is. That's why it's international. I think that's 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 what you can do because yeah, we were talking earlier about yelling about my one vote and, or whatever, and it's like yeah, that's not going to do it. Like, there's nothing I can particular personally do by myself as an individual because it's not about an individual at all. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and this, so- and, and this concludes my uh, discussion with the Cato Institute. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's also, uh, sort of to a certain extent about, yeah, that culture and that consciousness, because, you know, like the same thing. Because I'm, I was just thinking back to, um, you know, roots of American imperialism with, I guess technically you go back to the Monroe Doctrine, but I was thinking just like Spanish American War, um, that the Spanish American War and then sort of the American imperial ambitions that, uh, followed it didn't happen just out of nowhere it was you know the result of like manifest destiny anti-immigrant behavior and in a more uh i guess holistic sense that's why martin luther king talked about uh you know triple evils materialism racism and imperialism because even if there's nothing that we can specifically do about um say yeah like the Kashmir situation or Yemen or I think Eritrea might be have something going on right now. We have a few campaign members who are originally from there. So, um, but you know, the kind of people who tend to do genocides, um, or promote genocides or at the very least accept genocides tend to also shockingly not be very great on other things. Um, because there's a reason why, like, Ilhan Omar has one of the best economic policies of any congresswoman and also tends to be firmly anti-imperialist. Like, these things are connected to each other, and by building anti-racism and anti-racist institutions and popularizing anti-racist figures, electing them to office, it does do something. And same thing that with racism, anti-imperialist... Um, socialist these are things that like they come from the same sort of moral framework and by promoting that moral framework whether it be through electoralism which I know some people are not a big fan of uh, I have to vouch for it every once in a while just because that's what I do Um, but it's more than that it's electoralism it's organizing more broadly because yeah I, I will say that Elections are not organizing. They're it's all about turnout. Like you're not building any sort of lasting power, but any sort of organizing beyond that, like what the Holmes campaign is doing, that's that contributes to it. Um, or whether you're building a media institution that's going to popularize certain beliefs, um, all these things are connected. And by helping one, you should ideally be helping the other. It's just you have to also make sure to stand together with people because um, I know that's jumping back another 100 years again with the Socialist Party in America. Um, While Socialist 
the Dojo's Party of America actually was better than some like European ones with the World War One situation. Uh, there were plenty of socialists that were not willing to stamp by the working classes of other countries uh, when it came down to it. Uh, and we can't throw... That's why I have issues with like so-called like leftists that are willing to throw trans people under the bus or black people under the bus as soon as it gets slightly inconvenient um, to some imaginary group that they're trying to reach out to. Uh, and so standing together is important as well as building those broader broader power broader institutions um and yeah, to me, solidarity to me, and organizing yeah standing in solidarity is be is better than anything i i say people say i strive to be an ally i strive to stand in solidarity with everybody and be and be there um but i think yeah i think those two things are 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 connected it's like you the the even in a hundred years, everything's global now. So if you don't, if you don't have uh, a, an affinity to stand in solidarity or appreciate the material circumstances of a person in, you know, Poland or uh, in Africa or in Kashmir or in Lebanon or Lebanon's having a hell of a time. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Or in Palestine, then like, if you if. if you also need to extend that to trans people or you know uh you know non-binary people everybody's in it everybody's sort of in it together and if you can't if you can't put all that stuff together in sort of the same framework you're going to struggle i think yeah i mean it's as a you know left winger we should be against exploitation we should be against oppression and we should be against bigotry in all forms, whether that's, because um, I mean that's all; those are all at the root of like the materialism, racism, imperialism. It's yeah, they all come from a sort of common need to dominate other people, abuse really in a sort of societal sense other people, and that's what transphobia. I mean, there's certainly deeper issues there in terms of just human psychology and sociology and um, how society works, but. Um, those tend to be underlying sort of causes, at least in my experience. Uh, and everybody has a little bit. Um, that was actually something, uh, and I'm, I have a few uh, very liberal references uh, locked and loaded, unfortunately. So uh, one that I was thinking of is uh, the, what's his name? Lakoff, the liberal uh think tank guy so he's the how, don't think of an elephant book and he talked about oh, the right, um, right, right, right. strict father more uh morality versus something fam like a open family morality um and the thing that he talked about that i think is particularly interesting is that everybody has a bit of strict father everybody has a bit of nurturing parent um and it's just you know we all have a bit of bad inside of us and we all have a bit of good um some people have a bit more bad than good, and obviously those are subjective terms. Uh, so everybody has some of that need to dominate and to sort of be an asshole. Uh, but everybody, I think, also does have a bit of solidarity, a bit of equality, a bit of, you know, compassion in them. Uh, maybe for some people it's not a lot. Some people it's easier for others. But, like, I think our job is to bring that out in each other and in other people and in ourselves um 
that we can because as the more compassion there is the closer we are to things like socialism as an economic system uh more broadly and anti-imperialism and actual social economic and political equality yeah another difference it made me think um it made me think of another difference between say the american socialist left of uh, even the 70s and 80s but all the way back to the time where you know, man, they maybe they struggled having solidarity during the first world war but <clears throat> and, and and a lot of their um sort of a lot of their ideas or tenets or or media cuz i've been looking into the media you know a lot of the media was very like dry and cantankerous pessimistic you know and 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 that started to change i thought about that i mentioned it i think um to uh andre demise when we were on about like doing this kind of work or feeling this way is supposed to make you feel good it's supposed to be fun yeah you know that's a lot of the, the ways people the way people were talking about michael brooks because he was able to you know talk about uh you know, and he was able to talk about Michael Manley in the '80s in Jamaica while still, you know, doing a, a Nation of Islam Obama voice. You know, like he made it fun. It's supposed to make you feel good. Um, and so, if if it's more about like who's excluded and who's hated, like that should be a big giveaway. You know, but and, and I think I'm, that's the kind of stuff I try. And I think it leads right into what you're saying is just sort of being able to tip the balance in favor of just. Uh, empathy you know and 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 that's it like if if you can if if you can focus your work enough and 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 focus your mind enough to tip that balance a little bit towards like some compassion and empathy and and solidarity with everybody whoever they are on the world whatever their station or whatever they look like um yeah you'll be you you, you should be able to tip the scales um and it's i don't know i guess i i don't know if that articulates it enough for people to start thinking about it or not but it's it's it seems to be extremely difficult to do well yeah because there's always um and i think this is maybe sort of an american puritan type thing that there's always a feeling that if it doesn't hurt you're not doing it right um and that goes with doing work um doing religion i think was the original one and uh doing organizing as well and there's a certain um i think reasonability to the idea that like some types of organizing and sometimes of like anti-racism um that's just sort of the specific example but broader egalitarian organizing is going to make people in privilege feel uncomfortable which i think is inevitable because um, if there's one thing that we know from history, it's that the loss of privilege is a very powerful uh, negative driver for people. Cause well, that's why we say that the people with the most class consciousness are the people who have the, think that, feel they yeah. have the most to lose. Because that's, um, I was reading William Reverend William Barber's book, uh, Third Reconstruction, which was about sort of his work um, in North Carolina with fighting against like the bathroom bill and some of their segregation, stuff like that. Um, and basically what he talks about, and I think it's certainly not an original observation, but that every sort of reconstruction, every revolution has a counter-revolution. Um, and that's the people that were threatened by the shift in power are 
going to seize back control in every way possible. Because, I mean, you saw that with the American Revolution, that uh, there was actually this pretty large, and certainly not comprehensive, because, I mean, just ask the women or the slaves, uh, but there was a pretty large egalitarian movement driven by that. But then the Constitution uh, reestablishes some sort of, uh, you know, upper-class control. And then with Reconstruction, you had this amazing trend towards, um, you know, the equality for African-Americans. And then it's actually rolled back um, in the Redemption era. And then same thing with the Civil Rights Movement. Then you have uh, Southern Strategy, Nixon, Reagan, all that. That's a direct response to like, the egalitarianism, both economic and racial, of the Civil Rights Movement. And it, it, it moves forward... Um, so, like, you know, doesn't not say that the American Revolution, the Civil Rights Movement, Reconstruction didn't accomplish anything, uh, but it is to say that the force of reaction, which, once again, everybody has a bit of it. So everybody has some sort of privilege um, that they do hold, whether you're white, a man, cis, uh, straight, uh, able-bodied, you have money at all. Like, there, we all have some sort of privilege, and that is inevitably going to create some form of, like, negative reaction if that's challenged in any way uh but like that's something that we have to be conscious of but i think through effective organizing that can that doesn't have to be a super horrible experience yeah i think that's kind of that was that was even maybe the context that i was thinking about it in you know you're going to have reactionary backlash is inevitable as you said and and, and like it's just how it's going to be how it's going to be dealt with. You know, it doesn't have to be doing, doing, um, you know, what's, the, what's the guy's name? Uh, he, and, and it's funny because people talk about sort of white fragility and, oh, the anti-racist book, which is Ibrahim, uh, Kandi, Zendi, something like that. Not sure. Okay. But he wrote, he also wrote, uh, a history called stamp from the beginning. And while like, I'm always like real peaked to see like uh, race essentialism uh, that gets you out of like the class talk, but it's actually really good history because it goes all the way back to exactly like you're saying. Um, the Puritans were like the worst people on earth. Like they they were just like if they could have just if they could have just calmed down, they could have stayed in England, but they couldn't have it. Yeah. So they they were just despicable, you know, despicable people, but. Since then, and, and there was a, you know, there was a backlash in Virginia, too. And, you know, it just, it just keeps, keeps slowly coming along. So we, you, you sort of, you know that it's coming. And the only thing I can think to do is to talk about why that's, uh, I can only think about it in Marxist terminology. That's the only way my brain puts it together. Um, so that kind of makes it difficult for me as a communicator to regular people. Um, because I'm like, yeah, well, the, the thing that stayed constant through that up and down and, and reaction, pr progress and reaction, progress and reaction. The dialogue. The thing that's... <laughs> See, here we go. This would have been the perfect time to talk about this. <laughs> it's, only, it's only the two of us, and we can cut it out later. But in that process, there's one that the constant is, you know, the, the, the forces of, of capital against, you know, the material that was there. So I, I like... Again, I I don't I do not want to get down in this hole because I saw your face when you said dialectic and and I won't do it. But yeah, so I, I just um 
you know, we were talking a couple of weeks ago about the uh, the quote, uh, the Zizak quote about having the people don't even have they can imagine the end of the world before they can imagine the end of capitalism. Uh, and it's just like, yeah, people talk about how the world's going to hex in the moon and climate change and this and that. But you can't even you can't even imagine that we could organize our society around sort of economic principles that aren't these it's it, it is it's a it's a, you know it's it's become sort of a flippant comment and people you know they attribute it to different people and it was in the mark fisher book but yeah but it's actually a very powerful when you think about it because if you ask somebody they couldn't do it but they could give you t they could give you 20 ways of armageddon of a meteor hitting, hitting us but they they could not imagine it yeah i mean that's also um yeah i've don't have a lot of one-on-one uh, -on -one debate experience with some of the people on the left. I just uh, I more listen in on the debates. Um, but one of the things that does occasionally annoy me about uh, far-left rhetoric is the focus on like an individual revolution, uh, because I do think that it's way more complicated. Which I mean, I know if anybody who's like does more reading on it, like. Obviously, yeah. It's can more you talk about than that. yeah, like when that's is that because I'm not even perfectly uh, familiar, so I like a little primer because is yeah. that like a, a like a, a Marxist Leninist thing or what? So that tends to be yeah, but also like there's always that that conflict between what the sort of common idea of like Marxism or Marxist Leninism is versus what once you really dig into it, there's always more caveats. Uh, but the generally idea of that like there's a revolution and you have capitalism, and then you have a revolution, and then you have socialism, which obviously is never how it works. Because, like, to sort of to frame it, it's like, when did feudalism end as a organizing economic system? Yeah, well, that, that was, like, I don't know if you read it, but the uh, the Harvey J.K. book, uh, that, that it was a survey on the British Marxist historians, most of their work was trying to figure that out. Yeah, and the answer like, is... Okay, it, like, what... Well, it, it never yeah. ended as like there's never there's no one date or one event that caused feudalism to end and capitalism to begin. And also, I have a friend who does medieval history that'd be very angry about uh, the use of the term feudalism as like an organizing economic system because it was a whole bunch of stuff. But uh, the general idea of like feudal society in terms of like that hierarchical versus the more liberal capitalist because um, it didn't end all at once. Um, even like it varied broadly based on where you were there was different types of feudalism depending on you know where in the world you were um different countries develop at different rates um and even within one area there's no one system because it's not like they were sitting around in feudal in the middle ages were like okay let's do capitalism now because you can't predict what is next um and even like marx doesn't try to predict exactly how the cap or the post-capitalist world's going to be organized because think about dialectics is um it only they resolve through action like you can't mentally figure out exactly how something's going to resolve because it actually has to happen and you can look back and see how certain things like the synthesis and the antithesis how they resolve into a synthesis um i'll say that five times fast um but like we don't know how because capitalism is going to end at one point in in a 
certain sense. Uh, like the exact system of relations that we have today is not going to last forever. It never will. Um, but the thing is, there's not going to be one date where we have the revolution and then we have socialism. Uh, or we have the, you know, apocalypse and then we have fascism. Like, it's going to be a series of things. Um, and, you know, maybe it's going to look better, maybe it's going to look worse, but... Um, I am going somewhere with this. I don't know remember, remember where it was, but I am going somewhere with this. But, like, <laughs> the idea is that... Um, reforms in the sense of like moving towards something that looks like socialism it does it's not going to all be well there's not going to be one law the, that you pass that does socialism yeah, or you're not going to you, you know stab donald trump through the heart and like raise the red flag and you're going to have socialism it's it's more complicated than that. it's changing institutions it's changing organizations it's changing class structure because uh, if you if you may have noticed that we don't just have one working class and one uh ruling class as much as it'd be nice to think so yeah, I mean, just on the face of it, and you kind of started out on just the, the individual revolution and sort of like the really far left sort of that yeah, idea. Which I don't think anybody actually believes that, but that's sort of the idea that's in people's Yeah, and I mean, you just have to be very careful with, you know, people that don't know a lot about, uh, you know, they talk about the Russian Revolution all the time, but that, even that was uh, a, light, a, you know, a decades-long project that didn't really go down the way that you think it went down, and also, it was a total, it was... It was feudalism. I mean, they they had they overthrew a, a, a royal feudal sort of vast empire that had just dirt poor people almost everywhere. Uh, those conditions, those material conditions, do not exist anymore. Almost none of them do. You know, there's no nobody's ruling as a monarch over a feudal empire, sort of like that. Like you can't put that back together. So like. While history is extremely important to understand the part we were talking about before and like how we got here, I don't think we can you can examine the action that needs to be taken to bring this about is not going to be the action that was already taken. It's going to be something completely different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because this, the material conditions are completely different. Yeah, and history is good just because you can look for analogs and for certain situations and things that definitely don't work. Um, but like. We don't know what a revolution, so to speak, would look like in a 21st century context with the internet, with uh, nation states as they are, with surveillance. Um, you think you know, 1960s uh, FBI surveillance is bad. Wait till you see what they can do now. Um, stuff like that. Um, but so I guess the, the moral of the story is that... Um, I think that's why it's important to go into it with empathy and with compassion uh, because you never know exactly where you're going, but if you're practicing the values that you're trying to eventually reach, I think you have a better chance of getting broadly where you want to go because um, the idea that you need to be a complete asshole because you're doing it in the name of something good, historically that's not... Um, or, you know, I gotta invade this country, but it's, it's for something good. Historically, that tends not to work out very well. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned the surveillance, just what the surveillance is. Um, reminded me, we went down um, and did the action at the Georgetown prison on Sunday. So just to timestamp it for everybody, I was like, a couple days ago. So this is like the 22nd, I guess, today. Um, but they had to drone out on us. You see it, hear it, it's right hovering above us. So, you know, just, 
And, you know, what did we have there? 50, 75 people, maybe 100 people with a small, you know, a small group of a uh, small group of patriots down the road. Uh, yeah, somebody was yelling. I forget who said this was very upset. Um, but it was just like, I, I could take one Gatson flag, but two Gatson flags. Is that necessary? Do I need to be told don't tread on me twice? Um, but yeah, they had the they had the drone on us. I mean, I know, I know they had stuff on us earlier. You know, six weeks ago. Um, you know, I know there's going to be an action in Newark this weekend and in Wilmington this weekend on Saturday. Um, I'm sure. You know, it's I'm sure it's known. I mean, the woman, the two, the two ladies who organized the the action at the prison were called ahead of time by like the department of corrections and trying to, you know, and try, they tried to, you know, body them and like just scare them out of just canceling it or, you know, just whatever. And then when we got there, they had put like both, basically they had put the counter protesters down the road and us in just like a pen, like a snow fenced pen that was open to the road. We could walk around, you know, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to be on it. So it's not like you can go out and, and like make mischief. I mean, the the, the stormtroopers, uh, the border the border patrol marine sort of dressed up as seals in, in, in Portland, like they're just looking at like, oh, that guy did graffiti. Uh, go around the corner and throw him in a van. Like, what the fuck is that? You know, they're just basically, and they're not even, and the city doesn't even know they're doing it. They're just getting their own shit together putting drones up and pulling people off the street. So, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of respect for, for anarchists. Um, I have a lot of respect for everybody who does street actions, um, especially the medics. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're good. I'm going to go do one this weekend. But to think that that's going to lead to, uh, you know, the, the the beheading of Tsar Nicholas and, uh, you know, the Tsarina's fucking going across East Germany trying to escape to England, um, you know, whatever. That's it's not it's not going to work. Though it does make me think because um, there's been a lot of talk about the, you know, very real police brutality that has been happening. Uh, but I can't help but think because uh, it's been pretty bad, but. I think we are yet to see, except maybe one or two situations, actual live rounds being used by the police. Uh, I think that happened in Kentucky, and they killed a couple people. Yeah, uh, but part of it me almost thinks that like they realize because the federal government and even local governments now have way more surveillance and military power than they ever have ever had in history, and yet it almost feels like they're not using as much as it as you'd think. And I think it's almost that they realize just how fragile their position is that um, if they really started to just outright kill people en masse, that like basically society would collapse because there's already such little trust in institutions um, that who knows what would happen after that. Yeah. I mean, that, that is uh, I'm, I'm surprised I haven't heard of more folks actually being uh, killed just by, you know, being beaten. I know the, the one guy was pushed over was an older guy, cracked his head open. But most of it's been like really bad, you know, maiming injuries with, quote, non-lethal stuff. 
and I guess in in a certain sense, that is good because there hasn't been as there hasn't been a lot of fatalities. Um, I guess the there was a the other problem is the car ramming. Uh, a, a woman was uh, was run over in Seattle, and the, the the scary thing about that is you see that all the time. Like that happened to me. And Kobe and a few other folks uh, with the McDoyle protest several Fridays ago, and I like almost kicked in the bus door because the bus is like I hear Kobe saying, "Is he gonna just gonna ram him?" And I'm like, "What?" And he was he was like creeping up like, "What do you think you're doing?" And then uh, last weekend, uh, it was even in they they covered it was the same uh, some of the same group. My brother was there. But uh, even actually in the article they wrote about it was that really the only incident was a bus that was like trying to get through. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with these bus drivers? That's the thing. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it is pretty amazing that more people haven't uh, been killed by stuff like that. And I, I, I think you're right. I mean, even even seeing the and, and you know, Trump did make the announcement today that they're going to, you know, use that. Uh, expeditionary force, you know, all around the country now, uh, under the, you know, I, I, under the legal authority, I guess that we yep. gave them because they can do anything within a hundred miles of the coast. Um, that was real smart. I'm sure Chris Coons voted for that. Uh, actually, I, I'm, I would bet a thousand dollars that he did. I think that that might have just been a thing for. I think that's been a thing for a while. Yeah, um, because I think that's like a homeland security since, yeah. situation. That that's, yeah, I think it's been like since two thousand four or something that they've yeah. Had that I mean, authority. hey, I'd be happy to I'd be happy to retract the statement, but if I if if I had to bet money, I'd he'd probably support it at the very least. Yeah, so so that's what they're going to do, but it, it it has been met with a pretty well. I want to pose this as a question because I don't know, maybe we're both like too plugged into different like media sources, but. <laughs> It seems to me that what's happening in Portland is actually bringing more people out. We have these new moms groups in the yellow that are going out, so it's all women with that are moms. You know, ask the moms, uh, and so God bless the moms. God, the moms. I mean, that's what they do. Um, but it's the, the reporting I've seen has has basically said obviously it's still bad, it's still violent, but uh, it's actually produced. Uh, bigger crowds every night. Yeah. So, you know, and, and already now, um, you know, different cities, I don't know what would happen, but different cities, Chicago, Philadelphia, are saying, like, no, we're not having it. Like, we're going to be on the lookout. We'll press charges, all this stuff. Like, I don't know how that would go down. Like, Larry Krasner said that in in Philly today, but I'm, I'm just thinking, like, what, are, are the, the cops are, are, are Nazis in Philly, so, like, they're gonna. They're just, they'll, they'll take off their uniforms, you know, and get. You know, who knows what'll happen. Um, but then I did get a text message from a friend of mine today, um, who's you know has kids and stuff, so it's not like tuned in all the time, but it follows the news and everything, and is, uh, is is out of his mind that what's happening in Portland isn't getting more attention. Now, I I, I guess, considering what it is, it we should it should be twenty four seven, but I do feel like. That the, uh, the that the 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 activist backlash and the public backlash has been okay so far, and nobody's been killed. So maybe I'm just maybe I'm just pessimistic, and I'm like my bar is set very low. I don't know. I mean, what what's your what's your feeling about like 
how do, I mean, it's hard to gauge based on the media you take in and what your feel is, but, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's just a frog in a boiling pot situation where they are just trying to sneak up. Because, I mean, we do have secret federal police that are going around rounding people up. Like, that is, I believe, unprecedented in America. Um, I mean, we've had stuff like that, but nothing that explicit. Um, I mean, if you're an immigrant, that's your just that's your life regardless. Um, yeah, your life looks like that every day. Yeah, so maybe I mean it's it's obviously not it's not good, <laughs> um, and I don't want to sound too optimistic, uh, but I do think that you know there's an underrated power in a mobilized public uh, because yeah, there's like this group of people with the guns and the tear gas and all that stuff but there's only so many of them and there's a lot more of us than there are of them and what they can do is inherently limited by what we allow them to do and that's why i'm really happy to see like so many people come out in portland uh because there's only so much shit you can pull before you know people start chopping your head off Uh, yeah i mean it's become very clear that there is and as you said i think there's you're right to feel like yeah, I mean, they're definitely pushing the limit. It, we're in a very precarious time. Like I said, if these f- federal, unmarked federal people in, in rented cars uh, come up on the police, like, what happens then? Like, what's going on? I don't, I don't know. But uh, there's, there's reason to believe that they're just testing it and, and they're going to have to pull back because the reaction has been pretty good. But again, I guess I'm looking for some optimism after seeing what Trump said today about a surge. There's going to be a surge in, I guess, cities. They're going to surge like Fallujah. We're it's going to be like Fallujah. We're going to feel that surge. Are you ready? Well, for that? I mean, that's the um, end result. Of fascism is that the imperial machine is turned inward. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. Though. Yeah, something that I've seen people note before is that just how sort of whipped Americans are, how passive we tend to be about this stuff, um, which is funny because America's founding and people forget because we've become such just an imperial nightmare uh, that America, like pre, um, I guess World War One, I, I guess, was a uniquely progressive country in many ways. Not every way. I mean, obviously, Native American genocide, slavery, those are two, you know, let's just say, pretty big black marks on our record. They're bad um, ones. But in terms of being pro-democracy, um, anti-authority, stuff like that, America has always had been pretty good. Um, but then, you know, World War One, World Two happened. We get sort of beat down with imperialism. Uh, everybody sort of becomes more comfortable middle class, so we don't care as much about all this horrible stuff we're doing. But I think we have seen with especially just the one, two, three of COVID economic collapse and George Floyd and just the resulting stuff that people are sort of undoing some of that inherent passive passiveness. And the people are still out in the streets. Like it's been almost two months now and people are still out in the streets, not as much as they used to be necessarily. And obviously it's been co-opted to some extent, but like, what is happening in Portland wouldn't be happening unless there was still some threat to the system. Like people, do, like the secret police doesn't just come out for fun. Like they come out because there's a reason they come out. 
Um, and so there's clearly something going on. Uh, the extent to how powerful it is, I think, is still left to be said. But, like, um, not, like, this is imprinted on everybody's minds now. And going forward, it will be. Like, people's experiences may fade, but they don't go away. And so the people who experience, for example, the Great Depression, that never went away in their heads. And there's people in their 70s still voting for New Deal policies because that's what they grew up with. Um, and in the same way that Occupy Wall Street left an imprint on a lot of people who came up during the financial crisis, that that's why Bernie Sanders was talking about the 99 and the 1%. That came from Occupy Wall Street. Um, and so this, even if we don't see any huge change now, there is a generation of people who marched against police brutality. There's a generation of people who've experienced police brutality firsthand. There is a generation of people who have seen the economic collapse and just the complete failure of our government and our economic system. And even if people eventually give up this time around, the next time something happens, Everybody has those memories. Everybody's had those experience. Um, and that that is not going away. And that's why I'm a bit more optimistic, even though I think this moment may not be the time that we see huge change. And we're still yet to see what some of it's going to be like. Minneapolis, I haven't heard any updates on them abolishing their police department, but like that alone is a huge thing. Uh, and, you know, it's not going to change policing in America forever, but it changes the way people think about it. And that alone is worth celebrating that's absolutely true i mean just seeing people have mentioned it in here about uh, meeting people that have come out for the first time uh, making other connections about you know working with I, I know a couple of the groups that we were down with uh in georgetown made some connections with people they didn't know that are going to continue um yeah i mean that is there is a there is a consciousness, and unfortunately, it's being driven by, you know, capitalism can only go so far, and we had the COVID, but that's actually tied into it too. Um, there is a, a more of an awareness, um, which is good. I mean, I think that's something that can be exploited because if you think about it, there are there are federal troops doing what they're doing in, in Portland. And, and could potentially do it in cities near you very soon. Um, basically, so you don't have health care. Like the Bernie policies. Like, I mean, Biden won't put, won't really have to put it in the street because he'll, he'll know how to do it differently, but you still won't get health care. The reason that the Capitol is fighting back this vehemently is just so, like, yeah, so you, so poor people don't have homes. So the people who are homeless stay homeless. There's no reason for them to fix it. They don't want to. And when you put it in those terms, like what is actually being fought for right now? Like why is this happening? Because we want, we, we want the cops to be able to go out and do whatever they have to do. Whatever they want to do. Right. Exactly. We, we, whatever they care to do. When I say have to do, I mean like what. According to them. Right, what somebody in the Highlands thinks they have to do. And, um, yeah, that has to be broken. That, that idea just has to, be, has to be obliterated. 
And I, I am glad that people are out sort of, like as you said, like Andre Demi said, like making a threat. They're still out there threatening. Um, so as long as you do that, you're in the game. Hey, everyone. This is Carl, producer. Uh, and I'm recording this actually the night before release. Uh, as you might have been able to tell, this was sort of an impromptu recording, which is also why my audio was a bit iffy. Uh, there was an air conditioner going in the background and some rain, I believe, as well. So not the ideal situation, but this was just in the aftermath of the passing of Michael Brooks, who I actually personally never uh, watch his show, but he was a big influence on Rob and on the show in general. Uh, and yeah, his passing is a huge blow uh, in general to the left in America, across the world, um, and left media in particular. Uh, but I think a lot of people, including myself, even just from the little bits that I've seen of him, uh, have learned a lot of lessons. And I think it's very important that we keep passing on those lessons. And even if today was a bit rambly and a little bit incoherent, which I will I'll admit to that, I do think it's worth having more conversations that really do talk about solidarity and empathy, because that, that is what it's all about at the end of the day. If we're not treating each other like the human beings that we are, then why are we doing anything? Um... So, we did not record an official closing because it was a, an impromptu thing, uh, but the, actually the closing is something that uh, Rob got from Michael Brooks, and I think it would be wrong to not include it to the end here. So, I'll plug the Patreon real quick, patreon.com slash Bunker. but also, we gotta say, left is best. <laughs>